besties. So this is a little bit of an unconventional podcast, <laughs> as you might be able to tell. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll start off with names and pronouns. Um, well, I'm Luca and I use he, they, it pronouns. <laughs> Or basically just anything except she, her pronouns. Um, I'm Kaylee. I use she, her pronouns. Or I guess, you know, they, whatever. I don't care. I'm Caitlin. I use she, her, or she, they, anything, really. <laughs> Same both there, Caitlin. Same. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today we have a little bit of a last minute podcast to throw together for you. Um, we got some news articles together, um, although as we were getting ready to film this podcast, we all actually got the news that Betty White tragically passed away just two weeks before her 100th birthday, and I feel like we should take a minute to appreciate the amazing woman that Betty White was. A legend. She was a legend. She was older than sliced bread she really she is she was oh and you know what's funny when I was like 13 years old I um came up with this saying out of nowhere I was like Betty White's older than sliced bread not even knowing that she factually was older than sliced bread (laughs) and then when I found that out my mind was like fucking blown I was like oh what (laughs) so yeah um and it's also really sad because she died on New Year's Eve as well. Not only yeah. two weeks before her birthday, but on New Year's Eve. Like, she didn't even get to see 2022. Yeah. So Maybe that was a sign. <laughs> okay, we're actually going to talk about that. Because not yeah. only did Betty White tragically pass away, however, Colorado is also on fire. Yeah, yes, I did hear that Colorado was on fire. Um, and let's all remember back in 2020 when we started off the year with Australia in fire. Australia's on fire again. I mean, that that makes yeah. sense. That was I feel like they're always on fire. But, you know, that lasted for three months back in 2020. So now that Colorado's on fire going into 2022, that's a bit concerning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Getting closer to home. Let's see. I also, oh yeah, there's a new Omicron variant that is uh, floating around. It's a lot more deadly. That's a variant of COVID. Um, so stay safe, besties, everyone else. Yes, this is the one that's affecting children a lot more, right? I think so, yeah. It's a lot more infectious and a lot more deadly. Um, anyways, in slightly lighter news, this kind this headline, um, kind of had me and Luca chuckling a little bit earlier and it's, I believe the last name is pronounced Jeffrey. Anyone correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but it says Virginia Jeffrey's lawyers demand proof that Prince Andrew can't sweat. What? (laughs) It's about if Prince Andrew can sweat or not. What? Well, it's kind of, okay, once you hear it, it's, like, relevant, but also, like, it just sounds really funny. Yeah, so this is an article from CNN. It says, Prince Andrew has been asked to provide documents proving his, quote-unquote, alleged medical inability to sweat. 
in a court filing by attorneys for Virginia Roberts Jeffrey, who has accused the royal of sexual assault in a U.S. civil lawsuit. So then it says in the court document filed Thursday, Jeffrey's attorneys ask, I'll also ask for any documents relating to anyone Andrew met at Pizza Express restaurant in Woking, England, or at Club Tramp nightclub in London, and to his travel to and from those places. In her lawsuit, Jeffrey alleges she was trafficked by Jeffrey Epstein and forced to have sex with his friends, including the prince, and that Andrew was aware that she was underage, 17 at the time, in the U.S. Prince Andrew strongly denies these allegations. Of course. Of course he was. And then it says, the BBC interview in 2019, Andrew said he had taken his elder daughter to a party at a pizza restaurant on the night in 2001 when it was alleged that he had had sex with Jeffrey. He also said in the interview that for many years, he could not sweat, countering the allegations made by Jeffrey that he was sweating profusely before they had sex in London when she was 17. And he said, I have no recollection of ever meeting this lady. In claims made prior to filing her lawsuit, Jeffrey alleges that in 2001, Epstein brought her to London where she was introduced to Prince Andrew and went dancing at a nightclub with Epstein, his then girlfriend, Ghislaine Maxwell, and the Prince. So basically, he's saying, I could not have had sexual intercourse with this 17-year-old girl because she said I was sweating and I, I medically can't sweat. <laughs> Okay, now the article makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, title. But okay, the now title. does he actually sweat or does he not? <laughs> I want to know. Now I need to know. <laughs> and then our last um, thing before we move on to some more lighthearted topics, I wanted to talk about uh, something that's a little bit close to home. Um recently in my hometown basically of Harrisonburg Virginia there was a serial killer or potential serial killer alleged serial killer um his name was Anthony Robinson and there's not a whole lot of information out there right now about him in general um but the police believe that he met women on dating apps and then met up with them in like hotel rooms and stuff and then he would kill them and then use a shopping cart to transport their bodies and dump them and he was found because here in Harrisonburg he dumped two women in a vacant lot and Luca actually knows the area as well it's not like the best area to dump a body um, it's a very highly trafficked area. Was this yeah. by must the- have been fucking stupid. <laughs> um, it was behind like a uh, Lowe's and right okay. in front of like a motel and like an empty lot. Um, so it was like there was cameras everywhere. They literally saw him on camera pushing the bodies in the shopping cart. Um, I don't know how he wasn't caught like sooner. Well, they I don't think they caught him on camera in Fairfax um, but they caught him on camera in Harrisonburg and um, that's how they found him and he they had one of the women was from Harrisonburg 
the other one was from Charlottesville that were found here. And they had been killed at two different times, but they were found together as far as I can tell. Um, and then there were two women found in Fairfax County. They were found in a, a plat like large plastic container and they were found like really close to a Target shopping cart. So the um, media and the police have called, started calling him the shopping cart killer, um, which you should never name a serial killer. Just throwing that out there. Um, anyone that watches true crime, anyone that like investigates true crime in any capacity, oh, you know, you know, you know <laughs> that that only sensationalizes them more. Um, but I believe that the police in this case actually gave him the name, the shopping cart killer. Yeah, that was not very smart of them. Right. Most of, them, most of them already have a big ego. That's why they're going around killing women because they have ego issues. Right. And um, a couple of my coworkers and I have done some digging. We found him on Facebook. Um, mm. And it looks like he has kids as well. Like, and they look relatively young too. So that's another thing. So it's, it's an ongoing investigation. Um, they're still looking into it. They're still working on identifying one of the bodies. So two bodies were found in Harrisonburg and they've identified both of those women. Two bodies were found in Fairfax County, Virginia, and they're pretty certain they've identified one of them and they are currently working on identifying the other. So the one that they believe they've identified, um, she was five months pregnant at the time that she was murdered um, and her mother, identified her based on a tattoo that she had and then the other woman who they're not sure if they've identified or not the police last this news articles that I've been able to find have found is that the police were flying to California because she was originally from California visiting DC um, they were flying to California to collect DNA samples from her family members to see if it was a match. And um, so, yeah, they're, they're working on it. Um, so how far away is um, Fairfax County from Harrisonburg? So let me see here. Well, he's originally from D.C. Okay, so he's from D.C., yeah, so he's from D.C. Um, let me pull up directions to Fairfax County just in general from here. Oh, is Fairfax County just D.C. area? Or is that what D.C. is in? So, no. So Fairfax is about two hours away from here. Okay. Um, and that was just another place that he was at? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of close to D.C. But, yeah, he's just, he's been around. And one of the women that was found in Harrisonburg, she was from Charlottesville, which is about 45 minutes south of Harrisonburg. Okay. Yeah. And um, one of the women found in Fairfax, I believe she was from either Fairfax or D.C. And then the other woman, they believe that she was from California visiting Washington, D.C. Okay. And, um, so they said that he met them on dating apps and then 
would meet up with them at hotel rooms and then he would kill them. But that raises the question for me because their bodies were found together. Like the two women in Fairfax were found in the same container. And I believe the same thing to be the case here in Harrisonburg because- Yeah, weren't the shopping carts found like together? Or like like, it was like together. one shopping cart. There was one shopping cart found next to the women in Fairfax. And then I think on the cameras, they saw him pushing a shopping cart here in Harrisonburg. Okay. okay. Um, but I believe they had to have been found together because if there had been a body dumped in that lot for two weeks, they would have found it before then. Right. So then that raises the question for me, where was he keeping these bodies? Because they died, like they went missing like quite a ways apart. I mean, did he have the hotel room for the entire time? Would that have been, like, where he would have kept the body was in the hotel room and just, like, been, like, the do not disturb sign on the door? I don't know, because one of the women was from Charlottesville, which is 45 minutes away. And I guess he could have come to Harrisonburg to meet up with him, but I feel like it's more likely that that would have been in Charlottesville. Right. I mean, if he was, like, going on, like, a Tinder date, then maybe he could have been, like, hey, this is, like, Harrisonburg's middle ground for us to meet at, like. Well, I mean, he met them at motels, so it, it's weird. It's weird. It, it is weird. Yeah, and it's, I feel like it's uh, less likely for a woman to go that far for a Tinder date than it is for a man to go the other way. Right. Because I wouldn't go a certain distance to meet up with someone. No. So I don't know. It's it's all just so weird to me. Um, but I'm just waiting on more information to come out. And we'll like update that as it yeah. comes out. We plan on having updates in the future episodes as we get more information. But right now everything is allegedly... Um, we have no proof. He has not been proven guilty in a court of law. There is no current DNA evidence that has been released to the public. This is all just speculation and rumor. So please don't come at my throat. (laughs) Um, so with that, Bestie, you had some news that you wanted to talk about. Um, well, I did want, before the year is over, I did want to talk about, um, there were two things that I wanted to talk about, actually. Um, I did want to go over um, the people who have come out in 2021. Um, so there was obviously Jojo Siwa, which was a pretty big one that um, I thought was really important and really cool for kids to see. Um, a lot of parents had told her to stop, told their kids to stop watching her. But I really doubt kids nowadays are doing that, especially if they have the Internet. um she's such an amazing person and she would be such good representation for kids to be able to see um just to look up to whether she's lgbt or not but it helps that she's lgbt yeah Um, she officially came out as just queer i think i don't remember like if she ended up coming out as a lesbian or pansexual or with like with a certain label Um, but she had said, um, someone had asked her like what the label was and she had said, I don't know, bisexual, pansexual, queer, lesbian, gay, straight. I always just say gay because 
it just kind of covers it or queer because I think the keyword is cool. Um, I like queer. She said, technically, I would say that I'm pansexual because that's how I have always been my whole life. It's just I, my human is my human. So like pansexual, but like more queer, more of a open label. Um, the next person would be uh, Lux Pascal. Um, so Pedro Pascal's sister came out as a trans woman. Um, and I think he was in like the Mandalorian and stuff like that. I've heard his name a few times. I don't keep up with those things, but I know I've heard his name mentioned a lot. Lux Pascal? I think it was Pedro. It's Pedro Pascal's sister. Okay. Um, and apparently her family was super supportive and has been super supportive of, of her transition. So he was in, Pedro Pascal was in Game of Thrones, Narcos. Um, he was in The Mandalorian, um, The Great Wall, Kingsman, The Gold Circle, Equalizer 2, Wonder Woman 1984, and Lincoln Be Heroes. So okay. a decent amount of things. Like he'd yeah. be recognizable. Yeah, just for reference for anyone that might have seen those movies but doesn't know actors, because I'm terrible with actors. So mm-hmm. he's been in things that you might know. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next person is a video game streamer and, and Twitch personality. Um, their name is Robin Torker. Um, they came out as transgender in February um, through Twitter and Instagram posts. Um I've seen them a few times on TikTok and it says that, okay, so it says that he's still using he, him pronouns, but came out as a trans woman and wanted their fans to um, experience the transition with them. So they haven't picked out maybe a new name or new pronouns or anything like that yet. And they want their, their fans to go through that with them. That's cool. They are also the editor for Japsepticeye. Oh. oh yeah um and they're amazing definitely go check them out if you haven't already um i mean i another... feel like affiliated with Jap- jack septicai is amazing <laughs> honestly jack septicai is such a nice person <laughs> like i am still i know i'm gonna go a little off topic but i'm okay. he was able to raise five million dollars for thankfist and for you, those of you who don't know, um, Thagmas is a charity that um, Jack Septicai is a part of every year. And he was able to raise $5 million this year to be able to make um, that would, I think it would equate, it would equate to 500 homes okay. that were 3D printed. And it is going to be like a development down in somewhere in Mexico that they're going to build these homes and that's like 500 homes that families are going to be able to have that they didn't have before that's and amazing like amazing what he has done i actually so i really enjoyed this year around thanksgiving watching a lot of like twitch streamers and like just like the things that people do around thanksgiving the donations and stuff that they do um i watched one well where little simsy um, went around on Twitch and donated a lot of like it wasn't like her it was um what are they called it was Tiltify yeah Tiltify donated a bunch of money like in her name 
um, to like these people. Like she went with her followers and then her followers gave like helped meet follow goals for these people and stuff like that. And like things went to like cancer um, or um, one was really cool. It was trying to think of what it was called. It was called Able Gamers. Mm -hmm. Um, I had never heard of that before. And it was a really cool organization where they like uh, try to make games more um, disability friendly and make events more disability friendly, I believe is what they do. Yeah, they make, um, (coughs) sorry, Able Gamers helps like make the gaming community more accessible for people with disabilities and like Mm -hmm. make controllers easier for like people to use or those people who have the disabilities it makes it easier for them to be able to use yeah that's awesome yeah I want to look into them a little bit more and work with them at some like donate to them at some point um Tiltify was also the company that helped with Thankmas and for Thankmas this year the total amount raised was seven million six hundred thirteen thousand seven hundred fifty dollars and thirty three cents so that will equate to I think 760 homes that's amazing yeah so um their goal was to make a thousand homes but i mean even like 760 is better than that's incredible um so our next person um that came out this year was demi lovato um came they came out as non-binary with they them pronouns and as pansexual i don't think that they were out as pansexual before so I think that was a uh this year thing too yeah I think before that it was kind of hinted at or like yeah just not like open yeah it just wasn't like at the forefront yeah and I think a lot of like um the so like I have a few more people but um the amount of people like celebrity wise or influencer wise that came out this year um definitely had a big like it was because of COVID I think because people were um at home a lot because of quarantine and they were like they were able to like look at themselves and realize things about themselves I think it also helped Elliot Page coming out at the end of 2020 as well um so that helped push people to be more open um the next person I have is Kalani um, who is a R&B singer-songwriter. Um, they came out as... They've been... Okay, so they had been out as queer and bisexual in the past, but now um, officially is out as a lesbian. Um, so our next person has come out... <laughs> um, numerous times. Has come out as different religions, different uh, mental health issues, different um, identities. Trisha Paytas, <laughs> our problematic queen herself. <laughs> <laughs> but so they are officially out as non binary, and I believe you, she, they pronouns. That's what I could find. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch of opinions on Trisha Paytas, as does everybody else on the internet. (laughs) Um, But they are a pretty big influencer, whether it's good influence or bad influence, a lot of people pay attention to her. 
they got married yeah oh yes i did see that the next one next person i have is laganja astranja um came out from from rupaul's drag race came out as transgender yeah um and i'm here for that i love when drag queens come out as trans i love that doing drag helps aid people in learning more about their identities and being able to come out and it also helps promote the fact that drag isn't just for men dressing up as uh, women. Um, women can do it, trans men, trans women can do it, anybody can do drag, whether it's to be a drag queen or a drag king or whatever. It's just to express um, an exaggerated version of femininity or masculinity. And the next one is, I might, I might butcher the last name, but it's uh, Hikaru um, Utada. Um, one of which is one of the biggest selling artists in Japan, and they came out as non-binary. So many people came um, binary this year. Yeah, a lot of people came out as non-binary. I think so. My opinion on gender is that every single person has their own individual version of that, an individual version of gender. In the same way that, like, not like everybody can look at one color, and nobody's gonna see that same color the same way. Construct. Yeah, it is the social contract. And gender and sexuality can be very fluid as well. Like you can identify as one thing today and a different thing tomorrow. And I don't see an issue with that. Um, the next person on our list is Robin from Batman. The actual character Robin oh. Robin from the comic books. Okay. Um, had show in the late one of the latest uh, Batman comics um, shows his interest in men. I believe it had shown a. I had seen a photo of him talking about talking with a man about how they had wished they finished like their date or something like that. So he came out as bisexual. And our next person is Elvira. She came out earlier this year. Recently, I think within the last couple months. Um, Elvira, the mistress of dark, reveals that she's been in a 19-year relationship with a woman and identifies as bisexual, which I thought was really cool. I feel like we've been new, but also how cool is it that she hid a relationship for 19 years as that big of a celebrity? Like, what the fuck? I would have been. Um, and imagine, okay, so imagine dating Elvira and being able to hide that from people. Like, I could never. <laughs> no. I mean, like, look at how cool my, like, significant other is. Look like, at this. she's fucking gorgeous. Right. <laughs> she really she's is. My partner. Right. <laughs> um, the next person we have is Stevie Lane. Um, Eminem's youngest child came out as bisexual and gender fluid over TikTok. Um, it says in June they asked their followers to call them Stevie and they use she, he, and they pronouns, which I thought is super cool. And I'm pretty sure Eminem was like super supportive of, of it oh, from what yeah. I saw. Yeah, I believe so. He is such a, we were just talking about it, but he is such a nice person. Like he gets yeah. a bad rap because, like, I don't know, he's like one of like the most known rappers. And a lot of parents don't care for him and swearing and like, right. like that. 
Which but like he's genuinely a good person. But yeah, <laughs> he is a very good person. Like I'm pretty sure. So he used to in his music, he used to use gay as a slur, obviously. Um, but as soon as who was he friends with? Elton John. I could be wrong. He was friends with a queer person, and that person had asked him to stop. And I think um, almost immediately he had stopped using those words in his music. Um, the next person we have that came out this year was Gigi Good, which was another RuPaul Drag Race star um, and came out as trans non-binary in a post on Instagram. Um, here for all these drag queens. Love them. Um, except RuPaul, we don't stan. No. <laughs> um, and then the last person I have is Mae Martin. Um, and I don't know if you've watched the show. It's a Netflix series called Feel Good. Um, it's her series or their series. Um, and they created that show. And in the second season of that, they explore their gender identity and stuff like that in the show like the character does and her as a person like because it's about her life and it's pretty cool so that's what i have on people who came out this year so very um and there was a lot more people than that but those were the people that like i recognized yeah which is Um, crazy people yeah all these years i can't wait for the next season of umbrella academy i personally am right and i am personally hoping that they make um vanya trans i hope so too because they don't have to but like i am sure elliot page would still do the show elliot page obviously is still doing the show but I think it would be so cool if they made her trans because they could. They can get away with it. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Gerard Way wrote like the comic book and Gerard Way is a he day. I believe like, so. Non-binary person. Okay, we stand Gerard Way on a number of different things. I have an Umbrella Academy book. <laughs> there is the book. It is. the making of umbrella academy let's go so we wanted to talk about um the movie encanto (laughs) Um, wait did wait what did you say i didn't watch it yet no you didn't you and kaylee haven't watched it yet so i'm not gonna like go into detail about it i'm just going to talk about the fact that um whether or not um Mirabelle the main character is going to be be able to become a Disney princess um like an official Disney princess there's only like 12 of them I believe plus there's so there is I'll read the the list of them yeah there is um Tiana Moana Ariel Mulan Belle Pocahontas Snow White Cinderella Rapunzel, Merida, Jasmine, Aurora, and then so that's all of the Disney princesses and then Elsa and Anna aren't Disney princesses, but they're included in a lot of Disney princess promotion. I think that's so strange that they're not Disney princesses. Well, technically after Frozen 2, they're both queens and yeah. one okay. 
Okay, okay. Grows too much money for them to put them in the princess lineup because then they would include them in the box sets and then they wouldn't be able to sell the dolls on their own. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's, that's, not official. that's not official. That's just a theory. Yeah. Um, but they are included, like it says, discover and rediscover your favorite princess and frozen films. So like they're included in like all of the promotion, like yeah. Disney Princess promotion. Um, and on the official Disney or princess.disney.com, um, Princess Raya, there's like she's not an official Disney princess yet, but she her picture is like in some of the promotions. So we're I'm going to assume that they're going to to be making her a Disney princess. That is also a movie I have not seen yet either. It was really good. Um, but on Disney Plus, is it free now? Yeah. Raya? Yeah. I think Encanto yeah. is too. Okay. Yeah, Encanto came out free on Disney. Okay, yeah, I guess if Encanto's out and free, then then Raya should be. Yeah. So I know um, I'm watching later. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so with Mirabelle, um, I believe she re- meets all of the requirements. So the character must have a central role in an animated Disney Pixar film. Um, and it can't be and the character cannot be the star of a sequel they have to um have come out in the original so they have to have like their own movie yeah um so the only reason ariel's daughter is not a disney princess is because she debuted in a sequel okay okay that's understandable um and the character must be human um or have humanoid appearance in the case of Errol and formerly Tinkle- Tinkerbell is Tinkerbell was a princess what Tinkerbell uh, was a princess but I think they took her off why would they she take her to be off with the princess stuff I remember I got a box set that was all of the Disney princesses and it was Tinkerbell yeah hmm. um let's see let's see character must be central role the character, okay, so it says the character must, why is my screen doing that? Um, the character must be royal by birth, royal by marriage, or do a heroic deed. Um, in the case of, like, that was only no, put there for Merlin. I got really dark. I'm so sorry. You um, did. You got so dark. But that was, <laughs> is in the case of Mulan, didn't she marry the prince? No. no he's not a prince. He's just a general. Yeah. Oh, he was just a general? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while since I watched Mulan. <laughs> yeah, no, she's not princess, um, like, in her movies, but she tr- did a huge act of heroism. So yeah. So she counts. Um, like, the fuck? And it says, the character's film should not have been an overwhelming success or an underwhelming failure. Um, that's why so, that's another reason that Anna and Elsa are not mm-hmm. um Disney princesses because there was an overwhelming success yeah and that's why Kita okay. can't be a Disney princess because the movie Atlantis didn't make enough money mm-hmm. um and it says along with it the character must have massive appeal and recognition towards viewers and audience so like people should be able to recognize them whether they like watch Disney or not I feel like there that there's got to be a fine line between that one and the last. I've got it pulled up as well, 
but like between like the overwhelming success or underwhelming failure and then also being recognizable to yeah because like i feel like anyone could recognize anna and elsa yeah yeah because it was such a success i think that's also weird that because they were such a success they're not allowed i think it's solely for money purposes because as we were saying before like they make a lot more money on them as their own thing yeah yeah. And now they're both queens. So yeah. Yeah. Um so with um Mirabelle from Encanto, um she I think she meets most of these or all of them. Um the movie is doing really well and since it's during COVID and it, I don't think it went out in theaters. I could be wrong. Correct me on that. Yeah, for like a um, time. I think it did. It might have. I think it did. Um but like I don't think it's an overwhelming success. So, like, she's not going to... I don't think she's going to do too well to be a princess. But I think she's going to do, like, the perfect amount, like, Mm -hmm. money-wise. And then um, she is the star of her own movie. Um, The weird one would be um, the character must be royal by birth, marriage, or do a heroic deed. So to me, um, looking at Encanto, um, so her family is basically in charge of like their town. Like they would be royalty, but not necessarily royalty. You know what I mean? Right. Um, like, like not literally royalty, but like royalty enough. Like, and she would be technically a princess. Yeah. Um, but if if they don't consider that, I think she does. Um, do a good enough act of a like heroism because uh this is a little bit of a spoiler um but she um forgives her abuela for the generational trauma and the amount of trauma that was caused to her and one could argue that that is the biggest act of forgiveness is the biggest act of heroism right um and there was one other unwritten rule that I saw the Super Carlin brothers, they talk about a lot, um, is um, the fact that um, most Disney, all Disney princesses have a non-human like sidekick um, or an animal sidekick. And she doesn't technically have one. Like she has the house, but it's not like an animal, it's a house. <laughs> um, and But like they are pairing a lot of her merch with, there's like this butterfly in the movie um that's like important but not like a sidekick like not like a normal sidekick um so and if they do decide to make her a disney princess an official disney princess she would would be the first um hispanic disney like official disney princess and she would also be the first one to be wearing glasses, which apparently most news articles think is more important than her being Hispanic. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, which, I mean, I guess if you're counting Elena of Avalor. Yeah, uh, but she's not an official Disney princess. She's not. We, we checked, we double checked, we triple checked. She's not an official Disney princess, but she is a Disney princess. Like, she's a princess and a Disney character. But she's not an official Disney 
princess. In the same way that Sophia the First isn't a Disney princess. Yeah, and I don't think she has a movie. And if she does, it's just like a Disney Junior movie. It doesn't really count as like an actual Disney princess movie. Yeah, it's not like, you know, something that was released on, you know, in theaters or on Disney Plus as like a premiere streaming and then regular streaming kind of thing. Like, yeah, it was a Disney Junior original movie. Yeah, so Mirabelle would be the first Hispanic Disney princess. Mm-hmm. Um, and Love I think that. it's extremely underwhelming how nobody is talking about that. Yeah, every yeah, that is very strange. We're like, not nobody as in like all people, but like nobody as in like, um, as in like news articles and stuff. People like official people who are talking about it. They're not bringing up the fact that she's Hispanic. It's every single article is first Disney princess wearing glasses. First Disney princess wearing glasses. Like yeah, like which is cool. The other Disney princesses are based in a time period that was before glasses. Right. Like, that is why they don't have glasses. Like, they could have had bad eyesight, but they couldn't do nothing. Now for me to stutter through nine pages of reading. <laughs> love it. Can't wait. I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> I love stories. Nine pages long. Nine pages. Yeah. And I, like, cut a lot. Like, a lot of it is just me copying and pasting from, like, the original source there wasn't a lot of sources on it because it was in 1883 84 it happened um but this is from a town called wellsboro in tioga county pennsylvania which is where like i grew up for half my childhood like up until sixth grade i was living there for the most part um so yeah I'm shrinking. If you can't tell, I don't know what my chair does, but every once in a while, my chair just. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. Um, so here's some background information. Um, Martha Sylvia was a simple minded, honest hearted woman of middle age living in a little hut containing one room and a loft, standing on a lot of on a lot of a few acres of land in Charleston Township on the road leading from this borough to Caitlin Hollow, Catlin Hollow, and about three and one half miles from the borough. Her husband had deserted her and she lived alone on her little property doing her own work indoors and out. She found life very hard for she was a small, weak woman. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say me too. <laughs> um, besides her real estate, she owned a cow and two heifers. And these animals and a dog consisted of the only living creatures on the place except its owners. Um, if you couldn't tell, this was written a long time ago. Vibes. <laughs> um, just want to say that now. I love the vibes. On the third day of April, 1883, Martha was seen by several persons in this borough to whom she was well known. Uh, about dusk of, the, of that day, she was seen do- going from the borough toward her home in Charleston, and she was never seen alive after that time. <laughs> it gets dark 
never seen again. <laughs> she was never seen alive after that 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 time. That was it. She was never seen alive after that time. Um, it was known the next day that she would never again be seen on Earth. <laughs> She would never be seen again on Earth. That's not our lives. She just Mars. Um, <laughs> the moon. Where are we seeing her now? <laughs> Anywhere else but the Earth? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> she turned into the moon like Sokka's girlfriend. Um, <laughs> so Why did they? This is a serious topic. This is something tragic but you're gonna laugh about so many other things solely because of wording like i'll be honest solely because of wording you're gonna think this is so funny (laughs) um on the night that martha silva disappeared sylvia i keep wanting to say silva but it's sylvia um she's white um not sylvia yeah um, on the night that Martha Sylvia disappeared between 8 and 9 o'clock in the evening, um, a frame barn belonging to Mr. Charles N. Austin um, and standing on the road leading from this borough to Martha's house at about two and one half miles from the borough was discovered to be on fire. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Austin and several of his neighbors went to the burning building and found it half consumed. While the building was still burning, the men gathered about it discovered something peculiar on the ground under where the burned floor of the barn had been. They gathered snow and extinguished the fire about this queer object. Um, And with long boards, they finally succeeded in dragging it out of the embers. They found that the object drawn from the fire was part of something that had an animal life. They took these remains to Mr. Austin's granary and locked them up. The next morning, they were inspected by Dr. C.W. Webb, and he decided that they were the remains of an adult female human being. <laughs> they locked them up? Yeah, they just kind of put them to the side till the morning. I'm sorry, but the fact that they said locked them up just makes me think that they were like, oh, they locked them up. Unlike they they locked them up. Unlike um the man locking his barn, which he did not do, which is why someone was able to put a body in there and set it on fire. Uh, (laughs) Maybe if he would have locked his barn. (laughs) Yeah, like I mean, she might still be dead, but you know. That barn would still be okay. Right. He would have still had his barn. Um, <laughs> Are we victim blaming? No. no, no, no. He wasn't the victim. I mean, I guess he was because his barn burned I mean, down. He was, but... part of, like, he, he was partial victim. I mean, his barn's gone. I'm going to victim blame because he should have locked his barn. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not victim blaming Miss Sylvia because we stand her. Um <laughs> But we're gonna victim blame um what's his face? Mr. Austin. Mr. Austin. Um, I also think it's funny that like so I grew up with like obviously in that town, right? Um, so like some of the these names like are the last names of like kids that I went to school with. 
Um, and I don't know if they like they are related, but I'm gonna assume they are because like it's a really small town and nobody leaves. So um, I'm yeah. just imagining like little because I moved out of Wellsboro when I was in sixth grade. So I'm imagining little fifth graders reenacting this as like a little play, <laughs> especially when it gets to the trial because it's like the word for word like trial. <laughs> Oh, yes. We've got so much more to go through. Okay, so the barns burned down. They found the body. Mm -hmm. And they hid her away until the morning. They were like, let's put that to the side. Let's not worry about that till tomorrow. Sounds like a tomorrow body, problem. But we don't care right now. Let's go yeah, they said that sounds like a tomorrow, tomorrow problem. problem. <laughs> the problem for tomorrow, me. Not right now. Right now, I'm going to sleep. Right. Um, the fire at the barn having burned itself out, uh, search, was, search was made... Wait, hold on. The fire at the barn having burned itself out. Search was made the next morning in the ashes where the remains were found and a ring of keys, some buttons, hairpins, and a locket were picked up. Interesting. As Mrs. Sylvia had not been seen since the fire, it was suspected that the remains might be hers. Um, District Attorney Foote and others went to her house and found that one of the keys unlocked her door and another fitted a trunk and another a satchel in her house they found her in perfect order no not her she was dead they found her house in perfect order <laughs> i don't think she could be able to do that she, she wasn't in perfect order. i don't think she's in perfect order at all <laughs> As if she had just gone out and locked it up and had not returned. Um, yeah, she didn't return. Ever. <laughs> um, these facts confirmed the belief that the remains found in the barn burned were those of Martha Sylvia and that she had come to her death by some foul means. And the people of that vicinity were not long in reaching a conclusion as to the guilty agent of Martha's Martha Sylvia's take, taking off. George Travis had been seen with her the day before coming towards this borough early in the day and going from um, in at nightfall. Suspicion against him was so strong that on the day after the fire, Andrew J. Kippert of Charleston made information charging Travis with the murder of Martha Sylvia. A warrant was issued by Justice Brewster and Travis was arrested on the street in his borough and locked up in jail. <sighs> Sorry, these paragraphs are long. <laughs> <laughs> um, George Travis was born in Shippen Township on the 12th day of April, 1853. When he was nine years of age, his father, Andrew B. Travis, moved to Michigan with his family. From his 16th year, from his 16th year, George worked out in Michigan as a common laborer part of the time in the lumber woods. Um, when he was 27 years old, he married in that state, but his married life was not a happy one, maybe because he was a murderer. Um, <laughs> and in November 1882, he came to this county, leaving his wife in Michigan. When he came here, he brought his little daughter with him, and he and the child found a home with his brother-in-law, Alexander Reese, who lived in Charleston, four and one-half miles from this borough, about three-quarters of a mile from Miss Sylvia's place. 
since coming to the county, Travis had worked for some various persons, but he had not earned or received much money. So he was just out and about doing some odd jobs when he got there. Um, so he was you. four and a half miles from the borough and then just a half a mile from her house. He was about three quarters of a mile. Three quarters. From, yeah, her house. And Same he was two. four and a half miles from the borough. That's so close. Yeah. That makes sense, especially for the time period. Like, you're not mm-hmm. going to go too far. To murder right. someone. I mean, you really can't go too far. To murder <laughs> someone. What year was this? This was the 1800s, right? Yeah, 1882. They, have, so they, still had port- they, they have, have cars, cars yet? And they just had what? Wait, when were cars invented? When were what? Cars? Cars. No, there were cars. Sure. There were cars because someone has a buggy in this. A buggy, but what did that mean? Cars were invented in 1885. Okay. Okay, so he's just got like a little horse buggy. Yeah, there's just a little horse. Yeah, but it's still a horse. That is like so like. So you would have to do it within like walking distance or horse distance. Yeah, because I would assume most people probably didn't have buggies either, especially in like a little small town. Right. I feel like it it was mostly like because Wellsboro is like in the middle of nowhere. Right. So yeah. He's either going on horse or on foot. Yeah. Although I would Um, imagine he's on horse if he's toting a body around. So easy to drag a body. I don't know unless he's like unless he murdered her near the barn. That's true. That's true. Because he they were all close to the barn. I'm pretty sure she because she lived near the barn. It was like on her way home from the town. Okay, okay. they could have like crossed paths, and he could have been like, "Okay." Yeah. Now for the trial. Oh, God. you've told me that it's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's 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 something. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Charles and Austin was sworn as the fir- first witness. Um. Oh, just so you know, I did cut out a lot, of, a lot of the trial. It was really long, but a lot of it was just like people cross-checking each other and saying the same thing. Um, but I picked out like the important stuff. Um, and we'll link the actual link in the bio so people can go read it if they want to. Um, but Mr. Charles and Austin was sworn as the first witness. He testified that he lived in Charleston Township and owned the barn destroyed by fire last Tuesday night. The barn was about one quarter of a mile um, this side of his house and about one and one quarter miles from the depot in this borough. Mrs. Sylvia lived alone a mile from the barn and in going home from Wellsboro, she would go past the barn. I discovered the fire about 20 minutes past eight o'clock and when I reached the barn, it was all in flames and some roof boards had fallen. One of the large doors was swinging open and I could see the wheels of a lumber wagon burning. After the building fell, the men were there discovered something they thought didn't burn like wood. Because it was a lady. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, human flesh does not burn like wood. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I think it's closer to a candle. Yeah, Is I it? think so. Like wax. That's just yeah, because that's like things for like human combustion. 
like spontaneous mm-hmm. like human combustion but it takes a lot of heat to incinerate an actual like human body like bones and all yeah so it definitely doesn't burn like wood um yeah, <laughs> will not in a box she was, was burned um <laughs> what is it he said so austin continues um we threw snow on it and put the fire up uh fire put out the fire about it and it prov- proved to be a mass of flesh um it was six or eight feet from the large doors we put it in my granary and locked it up the next morning dr clarence webb examined it examined it there was a small part of the head left the neck bone the body and a portion of the thigh bones i thought it was the remains of a human being judging from the teeth keys buttons and some hairpins were found a bunch of keys lay on the ground about where we found the remains i was present when the keys were tried at miss sylvia's house the house was locked and the, and the large key unlocked the front door no person was in the house and no fire was burning the clock was running and the bed made up the barn burned at, was used for hay none of my family were around it tuesday morning so that's good nobody was like there when it was on fire like children wise or anything like that though i mean like if someone had been there maybe then this would not have happened right or if someone would have locked their door <laughs> lock your barn doors like don't be a bitch about it <laughs> and i think that this is still austin talking um on cross-examination the witness testified that the barn was not locked uh, Mr. J.H. Neal was the first person who reached the barn after the fire started, and I was the second. Mr. Neal had a lumber wagon and horse rake stored there. Mrs. Sylvia passed there quite often. The remains found lay on the ground, the floor ha- having burned up. Yeah, so he did not lock his door. <sighs> you know, they were just a lot more trusting back then. They didn't think that someone was going to put a dead body. Well, yeah, on. this barn was like in the middle of no, like it was a few miles away from town and it was like a mile, like what, like, like not even half a mile from his house. So, like, it makes sense. Right. Back then, a lot and of it was just, he said it was just used for hay. So, like, I, it, I assume he didn't lose any tools or anything. It said the one man kept some tools there. So, he probably lost those, but it but sounds like, like he just lost hay. Even which is a lot, which is really like important. Um, but. even in the nineteen like fifties and sixties, like the nineteen hundreds, people weren't locking the doors to their houses because they yeah. felt they were safe. Um. So Charles C. Ward testified next. Um. He says, "I reside at Elkland. I went to the jail yesterday in company with Commissioner Peters to see the the defendant." Defendant answered some questions. He said he saw Martha Sylvia the day before for the first time after he came to the borough, that he he came out of Spalding's store and saw her up the street, said he saw her after that in Mather's store, but not to speak to her, that he paid her some money in the sitting room at the Wilcox house, that was the last he saw of her was at four o'clock that day. He he said he went from her house on Tuesday over by Stokesdale and came 
up the railroad track at Wellsboro. Did not tell what he was doing at her house. I don't know whether he said how much money he paid her. He said he went into a field to get the money that the that he kept his money in the field, but he didn't say what field. I don't think we said he said how he went from Wellsboro. He said he was never on the road where the barn was burned unless it was when he was a small boy. Um I think it's a little odd that he keeps his money in a field. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was questioning that. Like why do you keep your money in a field? Like why not like be like a normal person spinning your mattress like like you would just like yeah. keep it on your mattress. But, like, i don't he oh, doesn't have God. his own house he's staying at okay, okay. his brother-in-law's house okay i mean still maybe just like hide still i feel like it's a little there. odd or hide yeah somewhere That's like there where you're at i mean just i don't know i mean maybe he like went by unless he like he was like I feel like it would even make sense if he had like um so a lot of people go hunting up there so I would assume like if they do go hunting they would have like a deer stand up in a tree or like something like that like even that would make sense to maybe keep some money there right I mean well are were deer stands popular back then I don't know I don't know but it just is a field so it's not like there were trees or anything it was right that's so random like and how would he know where in the field it's a field so like assuming it's a wheat field it's probably like just tall i mean i guess if you take the same route every single time it would like wear down sort of path yeah and like i guess but if that's the case then be dumb to hide your stuff there but maybe he wasn't hiding it maybe we're just putting it there but i don't know (laughs) But why would you put it in a field? I don't know. That's just so um, This happened in the 1800s, though, so you can't ask nobody. <laughs> right. If I could have asked somebody, I wouldn't. Because they didn't, they didn't think that we would want to know these answers. Maybe it was normal back then to keep your money in a field. I just looked up when tree stands or deer stands were invented, and then it was like, a brief history of tree stands. And then it said 1947. So I don't even know if they have deer stands back. I'm just just imagining like a little tin lunchbox in the middle of a field filled with money. I mean, I feel like it would be buried at least. No, but if he's like going out there to get money, it can't be that much buried at least. Because like, I mean, like it would be like buried enough so like someone passing by wouldn't see it. But I mean, it was probably buried by like a big rock or something. Yeah like significant like what if he puts it in his little star wars tin lunchbox right and he like just like chucks it into the field at random and he's got to go find it every time savings so it says ward cross-examined so i assume ward is like the, the 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 guy watching him at the jail um defendant did not say he saw martha at her home that day I don't recollect that he said what time it was that he said he saw her on the street near Spalding's store. He said someone paid him part of the money, but I don't think he said he got it from any person that day. So he's just saying, you lying. He said, this bitch said none of that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so the first guy was Charles Seward. So it's the same person saying that he was lying. (laughs) 
So he's saying that he had lied prior. Yeah, or maybe not lied, but um, misremembered. Misremembered, but that's a lot of information to misremember. <laughs> yeah. He said, I don't, he said, because he's saying, I don't recollect what he said, like the time or where, when he saw her or like just the, the very detailed information he gave in the last one. He's like, I don't actually remember if that happened. <laughs> he's like, you know, I thought I remembered, but I don't actually remember. Right. Uh, Juliet Webster testified, I overtook Mrs. Sylvia last Tuesday on the road from Austin's to this borough. Three or 40 rods this side of the barn that was burned. I don't know what that means. So I think they measure things in rods or I don't know what that means. But they say use the word rods a lot. And I don't know what that means. But uh, it says three or 40 rods this side of the barn that was burned. The defendant was with her. I was in a buggy. I saw a defendant on Friday or Saturday in John Bailey's office. He told me his name was Travis and that he was a brother of Alexander Reese's wife. Um, Let me interrupt you for a second. The rod, perch, or pole, sometimes also lug, is a super or surveyor's tool and unit of length. Various historical definitions, often between three and eight meters. In modern U.S. customary units, it is designed at, defined as 16 and a half U.S. survey feet. Okay. So, so yes, it was a feet. Had burned? It says three or 40 rods. That's a big difference. Yeah. Maybe they meant 30 or 40. Because there's a little, yeah. it's a three with a little dash. So maybe whoever was typing Well, maybe it, it was little... like three, to, may, supposed to be three to four. Because 16 and a half feet is supposed to be like one. Oh, yeah. So, so like maybe 40 would be three way, way, way too much. So maybe it was supposed to be like three to four. Yeah. Especially if they're measuring like a barn or distance from the barn or whatever. Right. Yeah. He's, I said he was the man that lost his wife out west and came here with his little girl and he said he was the day i overtook them i took miss sylvia into my buggy and brought her to mrs moore's near job locks i think defendant was ahead of us 10 or 15 rods then before that he and she were walking along the road like man and wife he on one side and she on the other um as i got near them they got further apart she said he she said she was glad i came along for she wanted a ride to town after she got into the wagon um she turned around several times to look back at defendant i did not look back think defendant had on the same clothes he wears today so they were walking into town and they were acting all coupley but as soon as someone got around they were like mm. <laughs> no man you're like just kidding yeah <laughs> and they mentioned that a lot throughout here like i will get to it but i think like he wanted like had said that he wanted to marry her or something before she was killed um but we'll get to that um webster cross-examined um so same person i am positive the defendant is the same man i met on the road there um Dr. Clarence W. Webb testified. 
I made an examination yesterday of the remains of the person burned. I found about 20 pounds of remains consisting of the trunk, small part of the head, jaw, and four teeth. There were about eight ounces of the brain that, or a little less. The upper extremities were off close to the body and about half the right thigh bone remains and about one third of the left thigh bone. The person was a female. The pelvis was near, nearly entire and the organs of the generation quite well preserved and somewhat diseased. The person was of slight build. The bones were be, the bones being slim. Webb cross-examined. I didn't weigh the remains, but approximated them. The heart had no wound in it. There was no skull, but part of the base of it, the remains of the lungs were there. The four teeth were on the right side of the jaw. It would be impossible to say that what the height of the person was. Frederick Reese te testified, I am 15 years old and live in Charleston, about a half mile from Martha Sylvia's. My father is Alexander Reese. My uncle, George Travis, um, has been living with us this winter. Last Tuesday, he said he was going down Marsh Creek after some money. He said he has been at work for Mr. Bailey and that he was going down to Bailey's, but I don't know whether he said he was going after money. I can't tell what time he went away or what time he came back. It was after supper. When he came home, he warmed himself by the fire and then he washed and ate supper. Um, then he and my father went up to Martha Sylvia's after cattle he had bought of her. A cow, a yearling, and a two-year-old. We all went to her house, and Uncle George knocked twice. He said he guessed Martha wasn't at home. When We then got the cattle and drove them home, making some noise while driving them along. Yesterday morning, un Uncle George said he was going to town to get some tobacco. Tuesday night, he said he has been down Marsh Creek to get some money. I don't remember where he said he got it. I think he said he paid her some on the street and some at the Wilcox house. Pa asked him if he got a receipt. He said he didn't, but he could prove it. That is a lot. I feel like that's a lot of information for like a 15-year-old to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I That is a lot of information. Yeah. I'm able to tell you all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm an adult. Right. Um, Mrs. Rosalia Austin testified. I am the wife of C.N. Austin. We live in the corner of the road that turns down where Mrs. Sylvia's, Sylvia lived. I saw her last Tuesday near noon with the defendant. They were going towards Wellsboro. He had on a brown um, ducking, he had on brown ducking overalls, long boots, a darkish coat, and an overshirt, the same color as his overalls. His walk was peculiar. When I first saw them, they were walking side by side and walked so until they got to, to the further end of our shed. After they got past the house, we walked. he walked slower and let her catch up with him. I saw his side face. He wore whiskers. Okay, so like there was a whole part that I cut out because there was like a whole conversation between multiple people about him like getting shaved. Um, <laughs> um, like he had whiskers, I guess. So I assume like a little mustache so, like, or like beard thing just going on. Shaved like within the last like few days. Yeah. yeah. Ruffle. Um, 
and a lot of it i think they mentioned it again soon but like they mentioned his whiskers and then at some point like they'll say that he had whiskers when they saw him before the murder and then after after the murder he no longer has them but that means he could have just shaved yes someone saw him getting like, shaved at some point like okay. but i cut that part out <laughs> um because the conversation was really long and they were just talking about him getting shaved i wonder if, does that have any correlation with the murder i don't think so just the just i think they were just talking about like because i don't think everybody knew him so they were say like they were using that as a recognizable teacher i wonder but then later on he shaved so they're like well this, this man doesn't have whiskers well i almost wonder if he shaved to make himself less recognizable or because possibly during the attack some of his whiskers could have gotten like ripped out and he shaved to cover that yeah Though, I mean, it is just whiskers, so that really wouldn't do much of a difference. Like, if he was shaving, like, a full-on beard and mustache, then yeah, then maybe. But I feel like if it's just whiskers... He's also wearing the same clothes. He's wearing the same clothes that people had seen him walking around in. Which is odd. But I feel like back then, they really only had... It was probably normal, because he was wearing boots, like, work boots and ducking overalls, so that probably makes sense, plus his jacket. Like, those are normal yeah. things to wear multiple times in a row. Yeah. Like, it's not like... Plus, he was arrested, so, like, he would like, have changed clothes. Or, like, fancy clothes, and then, like, wore that, and then, like, back to the fancy clothes, or, like, vice versa. Yeah. Um, let's see, where was I? Um, Austin cross-examined. Defendant had a cap on. His trousers were in his boot tops. I saw them check i saw them out of the kitchen window until they passed the house then i went out on the front porch to look at them which is such like an old lady thing to do like back in that time like even now like it's such like it's so realistic (laughs) i would do that though i'd be like what's that they're like she would be like she about to call her friend be like they hooking up (laughs) (laughs) she said dolores guess what (laughs) um chauncey howard was sworn and testified i live in del mar on the road from wellsboro to where the barn was burned about one half of a mile this side of the barn last tuesday evening about half past seven o'clock a man called at my house and asked me for some matches he came (laughs) He came to the door and knocked. I opened the door and stood in it with the door open. The light shone out on him so I could see him. He was a thick-set man, not very tall, and would weigh about 150 pounds. He wore brown overalls, the same color as the defendant has on now. Um, I think he had an overshirt of the same color. He had a a coat like the defendant wears. The defendant is the man who was there that night. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's like him processing it in real time. He's like, damn, this man wearing the same clothes. Damn, I handed this man some matches. Damn, a barn was on fire that night. Damn, um, this is the man that was there. Like, damn, this, this is the man. man. Um, <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> um, 
he had on a coat like the one the defendant wears. Defendant is the man who was there that night. He has shaved off his whiskers since then. So, like, he mentions the whiskers there, too. Like, they just keep mentioning his whiskers. Like, they're just targeting him. Yeah. <laughs> like, regardless, he like, don't shave every day. He's trying to do like, odd jobs. Whether it be, like, to try and disguise himself or if it was just, like, a part of his regular routine. Like, that was the day he shaved his whiskers. Like, right. he's never grew a full-on beard. Like, maybe that was just, like, his thing. And it just right. happened to be the day that he killed a woman and asked this man for matches. It's fine. Oh, the next day. It would have been the next day he would have shaved. It's um, fine. It's nothing related. <laughs> it says, I gave him some matches and he turned and went to the road towards the barn that was burned that night. <laughs> Look, I'm not victim blaming. <laughs> He's just like, here's these matches that you asked for, person that came to me in With the, the barn that was unlocked. <laughs> and then it he should have locked the barn (laughs) right right should have locked your barn shouldn't have given the murderer some matches (laughs) (laughs) why are you giving random strangers matches anyway i don't think i would hand a random stranger a lighter or matches like just if they came and knocked on my door so this is the eight eighteen literally say 42 i mean like no go buy your own like neighbors like they were all like oh like cup of sugar kind of shit like yeah. i feel like it, it, it's reasonable like it's not like would have given him mad like i feel like if you knew him it would have been different but he didn't know him i don't know but i feel still like still like small town kind of vibes like i feel like if he was staying with his brother-in-law then this person would have would have known that i feel like things quickly cup of sugar is very different from hey you got some matches right i, he was and like, I love like, like okay so he like murders this lady fire like in my house <laughs> not at a barn not to kill a woman like not at the barn i'm walking towards right now <laughs> um I don't know. I feel like it, it, it is in similar area of like cup of sugar. I mean, not quite, but like, I feel like, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's still odd. I feel like it's still odd. I mean, it is odd, but we also didn't live. And like, it's like the middle of the night. It's I, like, I, yeah, it's seven o'clock. Oh, like the middle of the night, then yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. For sure. it's dark in the outside. Yeah, of course, it's fucking odd. Other like, than the, no. like the light coming from out from inside his house. Oh my god! So that's weird. So like, if maybe if it was like noontime and this man was doing yard work outside in the field or something, and he like walks up to the the house that's closest and asks for matches for a cigarette right that would make sense maybe but like it's seven o'clock at night it's dark out he can't see what, the man what time of year is this though um i don't know but he says that it's dark out because he only sees him because the light from inside his house when he opens the door okay so if it's seven o'clock and it's dark that means it's like either like spring or fall not quite mm-hmm. winter yet because right now it gets dark at five o'clock Ugh. um i don't know it would still be warm enough i think like I, I don't think like I, I'm thinking of it in aspect of like he needs to light a fire so he stays warm, like kind of thing. 
and like, I guess the warm I was thinking of more along the lines of like yeah yeah no I don't know it's, I still feel like it's, it's weird. weird maybe he needs it to light his lantern because the, it yeah but then he would have a lantern well his lantern's dead he left it with his horse i don't fucking know who knows we weren't alive back then. he don't got no lantern this man just said here's some matches random strangers he's like can i get some matches and they were like heck yeah have these matches <laughs> right like i it doesn't seem like there was any detail in there like any conversation other than can i have some matches and yeah you can have these matches that's just so odd and then he just takes off walking. To a complete stranger in the dark. Absolutely fucking not. But then again, I yeah. don't nobody. Right. Um, Howard cross-examined. I live about a half a mile from town. Um, my house stands perhaps 20 rods from the road. The, the clock struck seven a little before the defendant knocked. I took the matches from my vest and handed them to him. It was dark. I didn't see anybody with him. I looked out after he went through the gate. I never saw him before. Saw him the next morning in jail. <laughs> he, had, <laughs> he had not very long chin whiskers and a mustache. I did not go up to the fire. Um, saw the light of it around nine o'clock. Yeah, so he just gave a complete stranger some okay. matches. Okay, yeah. In the dark. Henry Van Valkenburg testified. Um... I am a clerk in Osgood's store in this borough. I have seen defendant often, saw him Tuesday afternoon about five o'clock in the store. He was alone. I saw him yesterday, yesterday morning about nine o'clock at the store when his brother-in-law, A.C. Reese, was with him. Mr. Reese called for a pound of tobacco for George. And while the other clerk was putting up the tobacco, I spoke to Reese about the fire. He told me he... He told me whose barn it was. I told him I heard a body was found there and asked if he knew whose it was. Reese said it was thought to be the body of Mrs. Sylvia, but Travis said he didn't think that possible because he paid her $53 in front of Cole's hotel just before the buses went to the depot Tuesday afternoon, and he thought she had gone to her husband in, in Indiana. So this is like right before he was like arrested. Wait, there were buses? That's what it says. Wait, but there were cars. uh, It says there were buses. I mean, he got there somehow from Michigan. That's weird. Is it, though? Because it's public transportation. I feel like public transportation became more... Wait, what? What? 1830. 1830. Apparently, for, well, from Britannica. I mean, I feel like Britannica is a pretty reliable source. Okay. I'm confused. How did buses come before cars? I, I feel like, so I feel like things were, like, public transportation was probably worked on before individual transportation. Right. I feel like that would have been. trains were a thing, right? Yeah, yeah, but trains make sense, but cars don't make sense. Like, what? Well, it was a steam engine car i think is what it was saying and even if not i feel like they could have had a few horses it could have also been like a multi-person buggy longer coach either way he had a bus (laughs) um he assumed that she had gotten 
Travis said he didn't think that was possible because he paid her $53 in front of Cole's hotel just before the buses went to the depot Tuesday afternoon. And he thought she had gone to her husband's in Indiana. He said she had lately received a letter from her husband and she wanted, and he wanted her to come to him. And that the reason of her selling her cattle so cheap was that she wanted the money to go with. I asked him if she was prepared to go. He said not. That was her way to go right off without any preparation. One of them said they were going to the depot before they went home to see if she bought a ticket. Mr. Osgood asked Travis if he had witnessed to the trade for the cattle and the payment of the money. He said he hadn't except Mr. Reese's little boy. I understood he meant that as to be the, the bargain and as and not as the payment. They seemed satisfied that she had gone west. Travis said he didn't he hadn't seen her since four o'clock on Tuesday when he paid her the money. He seemed to be unusually nervous and restless and changed his position very often. So I feel like this man's like had a good like reason for her not being there if he would have done well at hiding the bot getting rid of the body after he killed her yeah like her going to see her husband is reasonable and i feel like you can also be like oh well they were weird around each other because they were having an affair right and like that's why they were like separating and stuff but then why did he kill her right um van valkenberg cross-examined i hadn't then heard that defendant was suspected of this offense he traded at our store some and i had seen him and talked with him many times the wilcox house was not mentioned during the talk he said he paid her the money in front of the cole's house and that she followed the buses right down the street towards the depot he was at the store five or six times tuesday afternoon that's a lot of times be in the store but between five and six times yeah it says between five and six times yeah that is the afternoon like within an afternoon not even a whole day that is a lot sounds like he was stressed out i mean there was this one case of this guy that had killed someone and then went in and out of like a store multiple times and like walked just or just to like be on camera and like just right. to- it's probably like not that there were cameras but like just to be- um probably just like oh i saw him in the store but like hoping maybe they didn't remember what time yeah he was seen in the store and he could have been like oh well i was at the store at that time and like the person that remember when and being like oh yeah no i totally saw them at the store but then when you hear between five and six times it's like well shit right <laughs> make a list next time like <laughs> quit forgetting shit um minnie borden and janie mcirony i'm sorry <laughs> did you say mcirony yeah i think i said it wrong but i kind of wish it was mcirony it was mick and roy mick and roy so <laughs> um, testif- <laughs> they testified that they met Mrs. Sylvia and a man who looked like the defendant walking together towards the depot on the main street in the borough on Tuesday evening around seven o'clock. 
Mr. V. Culver testified that he saw Mrs. Sylvia and defendant together about four o'clock Tuesday afternoon at the corner of C.C. Mather's store and that he then he afterwards saw them about 7 p.m. near job locks in the eastern part of the borough. He's not positive. He was not positive that the man with her last time was a defendant, but thought it was. They went up the hill north from locks. Um, Mr. V. Culver testified that he saw Miss Sylvia. Wait, I just read that. Um, <laughs> Hattie Barber and Zellie Moore, two little girls, testified that they saw Mrs. Sylvia and the man with her east of the depot going toward job locks about seven o'clock Tuesday evening. They described the man dressed like the defendant. George F. Butler testified that he had a conversation with defendant in relation to his transactions with Miss Sylvia. Defendant said he paid her $53, five in silver, three $10 bills, and the rest in small money in the Wilcox house sitting room about 10 minutes before four o'clock Tuesday afternoon. And he did not see her after that. Defendant said he came from Miss Sylvia's house to Stokesdale and up the railroad track to Wellsboro and went home up the Henry Hill and across by the crossroad. Witness arrested defendant in front of the Wilcox blocks, um, told him he had a warrant for him. Defendant said it was all right and never asked what he was arrested for, but on the way to jail, he said he didn't know whether witness had uh, a warrant or not. The Commonwealth here rested the defendant declined to offer any evidence at this time, and Justice Brewster committed him to wait the action of the grand jury. So he was like, they were like, yeah, you're being arrested. And he was like, all right, bet. <laughs> I mean, okay, I guess. Like, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Apparently, that's, like, his mood throughout this entire thing, too. Like, they'll mention it a little bit more later, but, like, he doesn't show, like, any emotion the whole time. That's odd. Yeah. But he argues that it, like, like he's very adamant about the fact that, like, it wasn't him that killed her. Well, who was it? Mr. Man Who Got Matched? Also, if you're trying to prove your innocence, maybe don't wear the same outfit that you wore on the night that everyone saw you with her and then saw you asking for matches and walking in the direction of the barn that was burnt down with her exactly. body. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the crowd of spectators slowly left the room, many persons lingering to get a good look at the prisoner. The popular verdict concerning his personal appearance was decidedly unfavorable. After waiting some time for the crowd to disperse, the prisoner was handcuffed to an officer and taken away to jail. His case will be laid before the grand jury to convene on the 7th of next month. Um, so they, so I cut out some of it because it was like kind of repetitive but they did try to appeal the trial and were declined um there were some good reasons that they had so like one of the jury members was like related to miss sylvia um it was like her sister or cousin or something um and there was some more reason but they ended up denying it um so it says, George Travis, um, Martha Sylvia was murdered on the 3rd of last April. 
You, who was last seen with her, was charged with the commission of the crime. You have had a patient and impartial trial. Um, your defense has conducted was has been conducted by counsel of recognized learning and ability. The testimony, however, persuaded the jury beyond a reasonable doubt of your guilt, and that and they have found you guilty of the murder in the first degree. We have reviewed the trial upon a motion to set aside the verdict, and we are satisfied that no injustice injustice has been done to you. The evidence not only justifies, but it requires the verdict rendered. Your crime is without excuse or palliation. It is cold-blooded and atrocious. Your victim was a slender and defenseless woman. You had won her confidence. She trusted and loved you. You had promised to make her your wife, although you had a wife living from whom you had been separated but a few months. With her heart light with hope and warm with affection, she started with you on that night on the road towards her home. You murdered this woman who loved you. You placed her lifeless body in a barn by the roadside and applied the torch to the barn to destroy the evidence of the murder. You then possessed yourself of the little personal estate of which she had been the owner. There is no circumstance of wickedness wanting in the outline of this said story. We shall not dwell upon it, but proceed at once to close the record. So far as this court is concerned by pronouncing the penalty which the law asphyxiates to the crime of which you have been found guilty, it is that on such day um, as shall be designated by the governor of this commonwealth, you, George Travis, be hanged by the neck until you are dead, and may the Lord have mercy on your soul. They said, fuck you, this bitch loved you, and you murdered her. Yeah. Um, yeah. During the sentence, Travis showed very little emotion. His face was slightly flushed, and two or three times he stepped forward a little nervously to spit in a spittoon. At the conclusion of the sentence, he nodded slightly towards the judge and resumed his seat with what was evidently intended to be a careless smile. He was at once remanded to his cell in the jail. So, yeah. Interesting. So, he got hung? Um, There's more to it, but yeah. Basically, he got hung. Um, I'll explain in detail what happened to him in a little bit. Uh, (laughs) It says, November 4th, 1884. Um, So, I don't so it says he moved there on 18 in 1882 he moved to Wellsboro. Um and I think the trial took place in 1883. So it's been a little bit. It's been a little while. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um a dispatch was received in this borough from Pittsburgh yesterday afternoon announcing that the Supreme Court of the state had affirmed the judgment of the court of Oyer and Terminer of this county in the case of the Commonwealth against George Travis. This is an effect, this is in effect a decision by the court of last resort that Travis was legally convicted of murder in the first degree and that he must pay the, the dread penalty. Travis was arrested in, in this borough on the fourth of the fourth of April, 1883 on the charge of having murdered Martha Sylvia the evening before. Partly consumed body of Mrs. Sylvia was discovered on the evening of April 3rd 
and the burning embers of a barn, Mr. Charles Austin, in the neighboring township of Charleston, which had evidently been set on fire and which was totally consumed. The human remains were identified by some keys, buttons, and a locket found with them. Circumstances pointed very strongly towards Travis as the guilty person on this trial, which began on the 10th and closed on the 17th of July, 1883. Evidence enough was adducted to convince the jury that he was guilty of the offense which, with which he stood charged. The case was taken to the Supreme Court and it was argued at the, at the term of the court held in Philadelphia last May, but the decision was reserved until the meeting of the current term at Pittsburgh yesterday. This decision of the Supreme Court renders it morally certain that Travis will be executed. His only possible hope of escape from death now resting on it, an application to the Board of Pardons. The date of his execution is to be fixed by Governor Pattinson after he receives official notice of the decision of the court. There has never yet been an execution for a capital offense in this county and the trial. Conviction and sentence of the defendant in this case have ex excited a deep popular interest. So everyone was like, ooh, an execution. <laughs> yeah, it used to be like a huge town event. Everyone would go to see an execution. Yeah, there were a lot of people that wanted to, to attend it. Um, November 19th, 1884, last Saturday, um, Messengers, Wilson, and Packer the counsel of George Travis performed the unpleasant duty of informing their client that the Supreme Court had rendered an, an adverse decision on his case. The prisoner received the announcement with great stoicism. He said he would prefer to be hung rather than remain in jail until spring. But if he did, if they did hang him, they would announce, they would hang an announced man. I don't know what that means, but I assume it means like he thinks he's innocent still. Hmm. Um, that's what I get from like the context clues. Travis asserts that he had heard of this decision um, of the court before he was informed of it by his counsel. Several days ago, he told Deputy Sheriff Swan that he knew what the decision was. It is not improbable that he heard it from some prisoner recently incarcerated. Um, we understand that no time since this trial has Travis been known to exhibit any emotion either for the crime of which he was convicted um, or for the awful doom that hangs over his head. A certified copy of the record of the case was sent to Governor Pattinson or Pattison, um, last Saturday, and it was probable that the date for the execution of the prisoner will be announced within weeks. January 6, 1885, Governor Pattinson this morning signed the death warrant of George Travis of Tioga County. The execution will take place January 15. 150 people applied to witness the execution, but many of them were died were denied due to limited space. Or died. Yep, yep. <laughs> they were denied due to limited space. During his last night on earth, Travis slept more than he did the night before, but he was still quite uneasy. Lying down and getting up several times, he um, protested his innocence to his guard, Mr. 
uh, Caton and talked considerably about his trial and about the preparations for his execution. At his request, the operation of gallows was minutely described to him. During the night, Mr. Caton read passages from the Bible to him as his at his request. He finally went to sleep about four o'clock and slept until six. After breakfast, he was shaved and then and he then put on a new suit of black clothes furnished by the county commissioners. Between 10 and 11 o'clock, his four sisters who had visited him before took their last farewell of the doomed man. The parting was heartbreaking. Reverend Mr. Ware um, accompanied the afflicted women on their visit and remained with Travis some time after they left. At the prisoner's request, his brother, Levi Travis of Middlebury, went to the jail before noon and remained until after the execution, showing great emotion during the final scene. It was nearly 12 o'clock when the Sheriff Baxter, when Sheriff Baxter entered the jail and it was, and then all those who held passes um, countersigned by him were admitted to the number of about 110. The Sheriff accompanied by his chosen deputies and by Coroner Francis of Knoxville went at once to the prisoner's cell, which was in the lower tier opposite the jail door. Reverend Ware was already with Travis on on entering the cell of the sheriff. On entering the cell, the sheriff told George his time had come and Mr. Francis proceeded to read the death warrant issued by the governor. During the reading of the warrant, Travis listened intently and he showed some emotion. After the warrant had been read, Reverend Ware read part of the service for the visitation of the prisoners and asked Travis more than once to say whatever he wished. He declined, however, to make any statement and told Mr. Ware that he had none to the gallows, none at the gallows. The services in the cell concluded. Um, the sheriff led the way down the corridor to the gallows, followed by Travis, who walked between the deputies H.T.K.N. of Lawrence, Lawrenceville and E.P. Higgins of Bath, New York. Um, Travis showed no weakness or special, a special emotion in, in walking to his death. He placed, he was placed under the gallows and turned facing down the corridor cell, towards his cell. The sheriff asked him if he had anything to say. He said he had not, but asked to see Associate Judge Baxter. The judge was not in the jail, and the fact being reported to Travis, he said, all right. Um, the prisoner's arms were then strapped behind him, and his legs were pointed at the knees and ankles. The, back cap, the black cap of, was drawn over his face. The noose adjusted around his neck, and at a, slight, at a silent signal from one of the deputies, the sheriff cut the rope at 12.25 p.m. The ponderous weight dropped without noise, and Travis was jerked upwards and fell back suspended two feet from the ground. The twist of the rope turned him halfway around so that he faced the wall. He hung perfectly still for about two minutes and then struggled somewhat, evidently dying from strangulation. Doctors A.M. Loop of Nelson, um, W.R. Francis of Knoxville, and H.R. Ainsworth of Addison were in attendance and kept note of the dying man's pulse. At the end of about 20 minutes, he was pronounced dead. And after he had hung 32 minutes, 
the tackle was hitched to the great weight and it was drawn up. All that was mortal of George Travis was slowly lowered into his coffin. On making the examination, the physicians decided that his neck had not been broken. His remains were delivered to his relatives and it understood that they have been buried. They have been buried in a cemetery in Middlebury. And then just some little facts. Travis was the first person ever executed in Tioga County. The young daughter who Travis brought with him um, had gone after this and went to live with his maternal, her maternal grandfather and grandmother in Michigan. It is understood that Travis's wife, whom he left in Michigan when he returned to Tioga County in 1882, um, was still in Michigan and ended up living with another man. Um, the trial, conviction, and execution of George Travis, including board and attorney's fees, cost the county about $1,400, and the execution cost about $150. Um, several days after the execution of George Travis, various bits of sensational gossip were floating around this neighborhood to the effect that after his body was delivered to his friends, they succeeded in resurrecting him, that he was now at work on the Pine Creek Railway as brakeman, etc. It's not worthwhile to con contradict these wild reports so long as they simply passed mouth to mouth, but as some of our exchanges in neighboring counties are printing them, it may be well to state that there's no foundation for them. It is true that Travis's neck was not broken, but he was dead beyond a doubt. If his friends worked over his body in the vein, uh, in the vain hope that his life was not extinct, it was perhaps not an unnatural thing to do, but but certain it is that the man paid the penalty of his crime by his death, and his body was promptly buried. The end. Imagine having been a murderer, and then you're convicted, and you're hung, or hanged, whatever the proper verb is. I believe it's hanged. But yeah, I think it's uh, hanged. You're hanged, and then there's all these rumors that you were revived by your friends, and you now work right. on the railway. Yeah. Also, there was way too much detail in the description of his death. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of detail. <laughs> I don't feel like it needed to be that detailed. Like, everything else was not. It was there, so I figured I'd read it, um, but Yeah. <laughs> He said, if I gotta read it, you gotta listen to it. Right. Um, so, yeah, that is a hometown homicide right there, which is kind of a sneak peek at um, the next episode we're gonna have out. So to give a little preview, because I will be telling a story next podcast. Um, I'm going to be telling the story of a murder that happened to one of my friend's cousin that happened, I don't know, about 45 minutes where I, from where I live, but like, it is a small area. We are all, I live in the Delmarva area, so everything is pretty close to home here. But yeah, it, I mean, I think um, it being one of my closest friend's cousins, it, it makes it pretty close to home. Close. Yeah. 
And I already talked about the shopping cart killer in my area, but um, next podcast, I will have a story about a Richmond serial killer who was the first person to ever be convicted based on DNA evidence. And Richmond is about two hours away from where I currently live. I did live in Richmond, Virginia for a little while. So it is kind of close to home in that aspect. And it's just, it's so strange to hear something that's so close to home. And that's kind of why we wanted to do that is to show you guys that, you know, these true crime cases, they aren't just, you know, somewhere far away, somewhere that you've never heard of. They are you know, cases that happen in your hometowns, places that yeah, you- Yeah, like even this one, even though it happened a long time ago, it happens where I grew up. And I know, like, like I know people related to these people, like- Yeah, so it's just, it's interesting to get a, like, different perspective and to kind of look at it in a different way. So we're really excited for the next episode. Um, we are currently, however- filming on new year's eve yes so i would like to go ahead and say a couple of words for the new year um we're despite everything that is kicking off the new year let's hope that we can at least make it better than 2020 that's the new bar better than <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, we make it better than 2020, then we're all right. Right, right. Or at least better than, you know, better than 2020, better than 2021. I'll accept it. I will accept right. it. If anybody's interested, we are also on Spotify. Yes, we are on um, Apple Music. And we do have a TikTok where we have like clips and stuff, and you can like ask us questions and whatnot. Yeah. So we have a Spotify and Apple Podcasts, um, YouTube, obviously um anchor podcasts we're on there we're on tiktok um if you search us up in any of the podcasting areas like spotify or anchor or apple it's just manic panic if you search us up anywhere else it's manic panic podcast and then our email address is manic panic podcast one two three that is open for anyone with suggestions for video ideas or anyone that maybe might want to come on the podcast at some point yeah any sort of collab or anything like that would be cool yeah um, it's called manic panic so it doesn't have to be related to true crime either it could be you can talk about anything you want for the most part yeah um, like if it's interesting we'll talk about it <laughs> and caitlin did you want to plug any of your socials um sure um sometimes i stream on twitch i am at cat baggins under or cat underscore baggins 98 you can find my twitter and instagram also at cat underscore baggins 98 um yeah so i i mean i stream many different games um i'll probably start streaming stardew valley very soon because i just got it on my computer um and my regular social media, uh, my Instagram's at cat baggin or cat underscore baggins, no 98 for that one. Uh, 
uh, Twitter is the cat's meow two two nine eight. So yeah, I mean, I don't have much, but there it is. <laughs> um, I guess if we want to plug our personal socials, mine on TikTok is Miss Danger, but with an M instead of the N. Um, Luca, anything else you want to plug, personal or otherwise? Um, my other social media is all ugly, ugly underscore boy, and it's all spelled U-G-L-E-E. Um, I don't remember which ones. Some of them have boy spelled with an I. Some of them have boy spelled with a Y. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Depends on if the name was taken yet or not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't really post all that much. I'm on like TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. but yeah that's the podcast for this week you guys um so leave any comments or suggestions below if you want to tell us about any of like your hometown like true crime things you can send it in an email if you want to yeah we can do an audience submissions episode we could do um we could cover cases that you guys suggest if you guys want to suggest cases you can always do that in the comments or in our email address we will of course you know get to them when we can um but yeah we really like doing the whole true crime thing um we definitely want to branch out from true crime i know that you know maybe with caitlin we had talked about doing like a cryptid or creepy pasta something kind of folklore tall tale kind of yeah. episode and I want to do like mental health at some point, maybe talk about um, transness or just LGBT stuff for an episode, stuff like that. Yeah, we've got a lot of ideas. So any suggestions, anything like that, go ahead and send it on over to us. We'll add it to the list. <laughs> um, but I think with that, that's the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm so excited for next week and being able to share my story and like to be able to be on future episodes. This is so much fun. Yeah, we're going to have so much fun with it. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Well, I think I'm going to go get stuff to make buffalo chicken dip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So goodbye to the peoples. Bye, everybody.